0: I was listening to uh, a dialogue, actually reading a dialogue between two of my friends uh, this week on uh, Facebook and, and as they were going back and forth, I, I I saw one of them make the statement, you know, after three weeks, it's beginning to get real up in here. <laughs> and I, I thought this morning, that that really is true. Uh, we're in a place where where this whole experience of of COVID-19 throughout our world. is starting to get very, very real. For us here at Eastside, we've been studying through the Lenten season in the Gospel of John in the 14th and 15th and 16th chapters. And and we've been looking at that conversation that Jesus had with his disciples when he was trying to explain to them what was going to happen as, as the day, that evening unfolded and the next day dawned. And he would be arrested and he would be beaten and he would be flogged and he would be crucified and he would die. And I I couldn't help but think, for the disciples, it, it was getting real up in there at about that moment in time. For you see, the the week had started with that beautiful Palm Sunday, we call it now, the first day of the week, uh, the week of Passover, headed into Jerusalem. Jesus on a donkey colt and people surrounding him with with their praises and their palm branches and laying their their coats down on the ground as as the donkey made its way from Bethany down the road into Jerusalem. And, And everyone was crying out that their teacher, their rabbi, their Jesus was the Messiah and they had all this expectation of who he was supposed to be, and and now now just days later, they're sitting in an upper room, and this same Messiah, this same Jesus is is now he's now saying to them things like, "I'm going away. You don't know where I'm going, but but just know that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So don't don't worry about it." And, and in the midst of that, there was this this whole experience of of recalibrating their minds because they came into that night expecting one thing. They came into that week expecting one thing. They left everything they had to follow Jesus expecting one thing and it wasn't what Jesus was about to deliver. For the last few weeks, all of us have been dealing with the reality that the expectations we had for the spring... (laughs) The expectations we had for Easter, the expectations we had for our senior year in college or our senior year in high school, those, those expectations are not really what's going to happen. Instead, we're in a place of recalibrating. And so I want us to, to understand something that Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and, and something I believe he's trying to teach us as it's getting real up in here, in your house, where, where nerves are beginning to be a little frayed, where, where relationships are beginning to be a little stressed, where, where questions are becoming more important and, and life, life has changed. What I want us to understand, that Jesus wanted the disciples to understand, is that when he recalibrates our expectations, He never leaves us to our own resources. You see, he helps us discover hope. And when he helps us discover hope in the midst of the changing expectations, he does it as the result of a a relationship that we have with him, a relationship where in the midst of our angst and in the midst of our anxiety, he's always there with us through the person of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, Listen to the way that Jesus said it to the disciples in John chapter 16. I'll start reading at the last half of verse four. I did not say these things. Jesus is talking to the disciples. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you Sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you all that the father has is mine therefore i said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you what jesus was what jesus was trying to say to the disciples and what i believe he's trying to say to us as we as we walk into even further on this on this journey of what God is doing in the world right now in response to the COVID-19 is that we're never alone. He's always with us. And even though we can't see Jesus, even though we don't have him physically, tangibly with us today, we do know that his spirit lives in us. And on that night before he died, when all the The memories of the shouts of Palm Sunday were echoing in the brains of the disciples. It was the voice of Jesus that spoke truth. And truth, truth is the most important thing we need to know in these days. Truth is the most important thing we need to find in these days. And what God has done through sending Jesus and what Jesus has done through sending his spirit to be with us is that that he has shown us, he has given us an opportunity to listen to truth. There's a lot of confusion in the church world about the role of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is pretty plain when he's talking to the disciples on the night before they entered into their anxiety-ridden place where it's getting real up in here. No, what he's saying is when it gets real, when life gets hard, when things get tough, I'm going to make sure you have someone who tells you the truth and who tells you the truth about some really important things. The first thing he's going to tell you is that he's going to speak truth to you about who you really are about the way you look at the world. See, when he says that the Holy Spirit will be the one who is the helper, who is here to help us, and, and one of the ways he helps us is to convict us regarding sin, what he's really saying is that he's going to speak truth to us about the real nature of who we are. He's going he's to talk to us about that place we are when nobody else is looking, Years ago, uh, my, uh, my nephew was caught in a predicament where the, the real desires of his heart were different than the desires of his parents and grandparents and family. It was a Christmas gathering. Uh, my nephew John was about two and a half years old. He was at the place where, where he was exploring the world and, and the, one of the ways he explored things was to grab them and hold them and to touch them and, and what he was doing on this, particular, on this particular day was grabbing and playing with the pieces, with the figurines in my mother-in-law, his grandmother's nativity set. And time and time again, he would reach into that Christmas decoration. He would reach into that nativity set and he would pull out one of the figurines. Maybe it was Mary, maybe it was Joseph, maybe it was the baby Jesus and and he would pull it out and at two and a half years old, he would sit on the floor and he would just begin to play with it. And time after time, someone would walk by and look at him and say, John, John, put that back. John, put that back over and over and over again. Finally, my my mother-in-law, his grandmother, came and looked at him and said, John, listen to me. These are not to be played with. These are very old. These are antiques. These are very fragile. Please do not touch them anymore. And then she turned and walked away. His mother came right behind her. His grandmother and said the same words to him. And you could see the two and a half year old sitting on the floor, having been given all the instructions do not touch the figurines in the nativity set. And, and then he, he, he looked up at his Uncle Carrie and he just smiled. I I was kind of observing to see what was going to happen now that he had been read the riot act by his family, now that it was getting real up in here in his two-and-a-half-year-old world. And then then I watched him. I watched him look around the room to see if anybody, anyone at all, was, was watching his behavior. And then when he saw that everyone was busy in the conversation, when everyone had turned their attention somewhere else, In the room, he reached over and he took a chubby little two year old finger and he reached out and didn't grab anything. He knew better than that. But just reached out to touch the baby Jesus and just touch him and then looked to see if anybody saw. And when nobody replied, then he reached over and he touched Joseph and nobody said anything. And then he reached again when Noah and he touched Mary. And then it was the camels, and then it was the wise men, and then it was the shepherds. And, and one by one, his rebellious little heart led him to do what he had been told not to do. He said, Carrie, why in the world would you tell a story like that on Palm Sunday? Why in the world would you would you talk about a two and a half year old boy reaching into a nativity scene when when we've got such huge problems in the world? Because even at two and a half years old, he was relaying the same problem all of us have. The reason Jesus sent the helper, the reason Jesus sends his spirit into the world to be able to convict us regarding sin is because all of us, all of us have rebellious hearts. Even when we're small, and right now, right now, when you're in your family, right now, when you're living in this world, those rebellious hearts can cause small situations to become large. And so, this morning, on this Palm Sunday, I, I want to remind you of what of what Jesus said to the disciples that that it is important to know that the Holy Spirit speaks truth. To our rebellious hearts. Listen to it again. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. When we're doing Palm Sunday in shelter down experiences... It's very important for us to understand where the truth comes from. The truth comes from God, and God speaks through his Holy Spirit. But that wasn't all Jesus said to the disciples and not all of what he says to us. Did you hear the next part? He said that the Spirit speaks truth to our actions and our reactions. You're like, what? Well, look, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. what Jesus is saying, the role of the Holy Spirit is in Holy Week and in every week is to be able to help us not just come to a relationship where our rebellion in our hearts becomes our obedience to the relationship with Jesus, but, but to understand that, that that obedience in our heart becomes obedience in our life What what Jesus wanted the disciples to know, what he wants you and me to know is that is that we live in a world where, where our obedience, our connection, our actions, and our reactions are an indication of, of what we've actually done, what we've actually experienced when we've experienced God. The, the Apostle Paul put it this way over in Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'll start reading at Uh, Verse 3, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, the law being the Old Testament rules, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The Holy Spirit not only invites us to turn our rebellious hearts toward God, but he invites us to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ in such a way that, that our life is marked by the grace, the mercy, the love, the forgiveness That Jesus' life was marked with. And if we believe that we are going to be people who are walking in the Spirit, that we believe we are people who are going to be following on the path of Jesus, if if we believe that we want to be people who make a difference in a world that's broken, then, then part of what we have to understand is that we have to continually ask the Spirit of God to be in control of our actions and our reactions. There's probably been no greater time in human history than this time for us to measure our actions and our reactions because what's happened is we are now so close to one another in our families. We are so isolated from the rest of the culture that now now it's that place where if you can't live it in private, then why were you trying to live it in public? You see... uh, What Jesus does is that he tells us that the Spirit will come to give us strength. As we're four Sundays in, as we're four weeks into this whole process in our nation, as we're getting reports that are coming back from all over the world of the hurt and the pain and the death, I find it interesting that we're also finding the stories of the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God in the midst of the world's pain. And I would suggest to you that that that's the place where where the Spirit of God is, is speaking to people through our actions as believers. I mean, if we don't really follow Jesus now, then when? When would we follow him? And we follow him, and we allow the Spirit to speak truth to us because of the next thing Jesus said. I mean, we read through it so quickly that that the Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. What does he mean by the judgment? Listen to it again. He says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. See, the perspective Jesus had in this conversation with the disciples and the, the perspective that Jesus had and has for us is that the next day, he was going to conquer Satan. The next day, he was gonna conquer sin and death and even hell itself. When he died on the cross, when he was resurrected on that first Easter morning, what Jesus did was that he changed the world. He changed the entire format and, and things would never ever be the same again. You see, the perspective of those of us who listen to the spirit of truth is that Jesus has won the battle battle that rages in our soul. And he sends his spirit to, to invite us in, to convict us and, and to draw us and to comfort us and to guide us so that, so that we are people who understand that our perspective on the world is totally different. For one of the, one of the fun things that I've seen in the last few days is that since the the cessation of all the sporting events in our country... The stations, the, the broadcast stations that have, have focused on sports, have, have begun replaying all of the old games that they have deemed to be the greatest in history. And, and people are doing all types of things because there's no live sports happening due to the, to the shelter down rules around our country. And so games that we saw played five years ago or 10 years ago or a year ago are being replayed on television. And I have to Admit to you, I have absolutely no interest in watching those games. Those of you who know me know I'm a huge University of Kentucky basketball fan. I have no desire to watch Christian Laettner from Duke hit the winning shot to beat Kentucky in the finals of the NCAA championship. I don't care if I ever see that again. I know the end of the story. Why would I wanna watch that game again? Whatever your favorite team is, those of you who are Cubs fans, Watching the, the, the World Series that the Cubs won for the first time in decades, you know they won. You know the, the story. You know the ending. Some of you have memorized, pitch by pitch, how those last few innings went. When you know the end of the story, your perspective changes. You see, now, for those of you who are Duke fans, you watch that game waiting for that moment when the shot goes in and your team wins and you remember the victory. For those of you who are Cubs fans, you watch those games replayed so that you can remember again the feeling that you had. What I want you to know is that part of the Holy Week story, part of Easter story, is the same thing in your experience with God. It's the place where you remember. That's why we come to Holy Week every year and we remember. That's why not being in the church sanctuaries of this country and the world on Holy Week is not going to change the reality. Christ will still be celebrated in your home, in my home, in our hearts. Those of us who understand that the Holy Spirit speaks truth to convict us of our sin, to, to lead us in guide us in the way that we act and react, that he speaks truth about the fact that no matter how difficult our days, Jesus has already won and he offers us the opportunity to live forever with him. Because you see, the last thing the Spirit of God does when he speaks truth into our rebellious hearts and when he speaks truth into our actions and reactions and when he speaks truth into our perspective on the world is that he guides us, he aligns us with a life that aligns with God and a life that glorifies God. Listen. Listen to the way Jesus said it again. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will speak not on his own authority, but whatever he hears from Jesus, from God the Father, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come, and he will glorify Jesus, for for he will take what is Jesus, and he will declare it to you, and all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A few weeks before the COVID-19 outbreak, my wife Becky and I were were traveling home on a plane. Uh, We had had booked our seats close to each next to each other and and we were kind of hoping that there'd be nobody else in our row. When As the plane is boarding, this family of four, a mom, a dad, and two girls, came down the aisle. And and I kept thinking, maybe they won't be in our row, maybe they won't be in our row, but they were in our row. And the father sat next to me, and then the two girls, and then their mom. And for the entire flight, It was one of those flights actually coming back from Florida filled with people who had been to Disney World and children who had been having such a wonderful time in Disney and Epcot and all the other places, Universal Studios in Florida. And the the, the sugar had run through their veins and they were all animated and excited. It was a noisy plane and there were children who were crying and laughing and, and there was just a very noisy flight back. But through the entire time, these two little girls who were sitting next to their mom and their father who was across the aisle sitting next to me. They were the most well-behaved little girls I've ever seen in my life. So much so that when our plane landed in Indianapolis and we were beginning to all get ready to get off of the plane, I I turned to their father and I said, sir, I just wanna tell you, you, you have done such an amazing job as a parent because those, those two girls are the most well-behaved little girls I have ever seen anywhere on a plane. He, he, he looked at me and rather shyly said, Thank you, but I have to tell you, they don't act like that at home. At home, they tear each other apart. I kept thinking about that statement the last few days. Because right now, church, right now, Christian people, we can't be people who just live our faith on Sundays in front of the people who gather in sanctuaries. We have to be people who who live our faith at home because that's where we are. So dads, how you treat your children's mom, that's important right now, moms, how you treat your children's father. That's important right now. And children, how you treat your parents and how you treat each other. And parents, how you treat your children. These, these things are all right now being pressed together. I believe that they can be shaken and your world is being shaken. But when they're pressed down and shaken together, I believe God can do amazing things. This Easter, I believe God is going to do more in the world, in our homes, than at any other time. And I know the anxiety runs high. And I know some of you don't know which news feed to believe and what rumor to hear and what is really truth. But what I want you to know this Palm Sunday 2020 is that the voice of Jesus speaks clearly. And it speaks differently than the voice of the crowd. Because the Spirit of Jesus is at work in our world. The Holy Spirit. Speaking truth to our rebellious hearts. Speaking truth to our actions and our reactions. Speaking truth on our perspective of the world. But you've got to know Jesus is alive. And He is here. And he will make all things, all things work together for our good. Well, you see that, that Romans 8 passage that I read for you a few minutes ago? In the first few verses of Romans chapter 8? Paul uses those to build the case for those very famous passages at the end of that chapter. About nothing separating us from the love of god about nothing being able to overcome the people of god about everything being worked together for the good of the people of god so today my prayer for you and my prayer for our world is that we will we will understand what it means we will know what it means to not just live our life publicly with this faith in Jesus. but To live our lives right now at home the same way we would live them if the whole world was watching. Because the world is watching and they want to know where's truth and we're the people of God.